You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Final hour on this Wednesday, Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Dale Earnhardt Jr. will join us. He's going into the Hall of Fame. Join us coming up about 20 minutes from now. NBA guidelines started leaking out yesterday. ESPN published a lot of them. Teams are encouraged to bring a mental health professional with their travel party. If they choose not to, teams must make telehealth appointments available, particularly if any player experiences increased feelings of anxiety and stress that being away from home, but also being quarantined in the bubble for as much as three months here. NBA health protocols concede maintaining six feet of distance during playing cards. I don't think that you can do that, playing cards, and be six feet apart. But they also said that uh, you will play cards and wear masks, and then when you're done with that game of cards, then you throw away the deck of cards. And then the NBA said sufficient packs of cards will be available. (laughs) Uh, Zach Lowe of uh, the Mothership says that uh, you're not allowed to bring any pets on campus, so no pets will be there. Uh, just ping pong. You can't play doubles, only singles in ping pong. But you're going to be there for a while, and I wonder. People talk about this in Hawaii, where you get that island fever, where you're on the island, and boy, it's beautiful. And then you start to panic a little bit, because you're on an island, and, and you can't just get off the island there. Hey, you got everything you want. It's beautiful. Sunshine, sand, but you're being controlled. And I think that you're going to have players who will probably experience this. And when the NBA is saying you got to have a, you know, a, a mental health person there because you might get people feeling like they're constricted, that uh, they've got a seatbelt on it and they can't go where they want to go. They can't live their life how they want to live it. But the NBA and the players, they're, they're being very careful that you don't want to come off as complaining here because they understand what's going on. Hey, you're going to Orlando at the Disney World Resort and you're going to be at a great place. You're going to have food. You're going to have everything you need. You just have to stay in this bubble and you play basketball. That's why these players being very cautious in what they say in criticizing any of this here. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address, dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at dpshow. I was just mentioning to the Dan Edge, a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to take the family. We were out for a wedding in South Dakota, and uh, we loaded up the car, and we drove to Mount Rushmore. And you can drive for hours and not see another car. You can go as fast as you want, it, it, you know, and, and you're just going. And so we, we eventually get to Mount Rushmore and beautiful day, sun is out, get out of the car. It's so majestic. And my wife and I are looking at it going, this is, I mean, this was worth the drive. And my four kids go, all right, can we go now? <laughs> and I go, wait, 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 no, 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 we're just, we just got here. We're going to experience the whole thing. We wanted to find out how they Uh, made this, the artist, there's a visitor center in there, but they had seen pictures. So they're like, okay, hey, it looks just like it it does in the books. And they wanted to leave. 
I said, no, we didn't drive four hours for us to get here for seven minutes and then get in the car and go back. But that's what they wanted to do. But it was just being able to get out and go someplace. I miss that. And I don't know what if the, the parks are open, if Yellowstone, if Zion, like a lot of these, you know, beautiful places, campsites, if those are open. But, you know, I do miss that. And it was just one of those where you take it for granted. Like the sun is out, you're driving, windows are down, and you're going to see Mount Rushmore. And it was everything I thought it was going to be and then so. Like you just look at it and you go, I don't know how he did it. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. And it's pretty impressive. Yeah, Paul. And it's, it is really cool. There's a visitor center there and it shows that like young kids, college interns did it and they spent seven or eight hours down, like rappelling down on a little board and a, and a rope and they had their lunch sent down to them. The, the visitor center was really cool and the learning about the process and how long it took and how it almost didn't happen was, was really neat. Yeah, it was. And, and I, I hope to be able to do one of those where you just drive someplace. You get to go someplace and just see something. Because we're all sort of in this, you know, we're in, we're all under this bubble. It just depends on what your bubble looks like or feels like. Uh, McLevin, are we going to keep the poll question from the, the first two hours? So first two hours, uh, if you were a player, does eating with buddies and playing cards uh, for three months sound amazing <laughs> or awful? Uh, 58% say amazing. It's pretty close. Um yeah, we could we could switch it up. Uh, there are some uh, interesting topics on the. There's a lot of a quarterback controversy out there right now. What do you mean? There's some rankings. You know, you said no uh, more rankings. Is this the Phil Sims or Chris Sims rankings? There's that. Somebody in the Sims family. CBS Sports.com, Sports.com left Aaron Rodgers out of their top ten. It it, it feels like. And I'm not, I don't want to accuse them, but you're just basically baiting people. You're trolling people. Because if you put Aaron Rodgers nine, then nobody's going to be talking about the list, I'm going to guess. Aaron Rodgers, let's put it this way. If, if you want to give me Aaron Rodgers, I'm, I'm fine with whoever you take. Like, I still think that he can play at a very high level. I saw where there's a lot of people who think he's going to be the MVP this year. Like, he's going to be motivated. Last I looked, he's still throwing to those same receivers. Now, if you said he had C.D. Lamb or Henry Ruggs or somebody like that, I'd go, okay, all right, I'm interested. Dak Prescott, to me, has a better chance of being MVP than Aaron Rodgers does because he's got all of these weapons. Yeah, McLevin. This is a... This is a real system issue. Matt, Matt LaFleur runs the ball. That's why Aaron Rodgers' stats went down. And then, you know, and it's going to happen again this year. There's no way he's MVP. He's Nobody the, wants to talk about that. Yeah. They just say, oh, Aaron Rodgers' numbers are down. They're down because you have a head coach who wants to emulate the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers threw less and less and less every game because they have less and less and less confidence in their quarterback. That, I don't think, is the case in Green Bay, but that's what Green Bay is trying to emulate is what San Francisco... If, if, I, put, if I had Aaron Rodgers in San Francisco and Jimmy Garoppolo's in Green Bay, I understand it. If, if you said Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback with the San Francisco 49ers, are they throwing less and less and less each game? And the answer is no. Would Green Bay throw less and run more with Jimmy Garoppolo? Yes. And by the way, this pity party for Jimmy Garoppolo, it wasn't the um, 
Kyle Juszczyk, who came out and said, hey, why is everybody you know, not on uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's bandwagon and uh, saying nice things about him? And uh, you know, he took us to the Super Bowl. And I went, hey, Kyle, why don't you ask your coach and your GM who flirted with bringing in Tom Brady? I, hey, I can say nice things about Jimmy Garoppolo. Your coach and GM admitted that they flirted with bringing Tom Brady in. I know he took you to the Super Bowl, but I would check inventory there in your own building before you go, hey, why aren't you guys saying nice things about Jimmy Garoppolo? Until Jimmy Garoppolo shows me he can do it on a consistent basis in a big moment, all right, I'm going to have doubts about him. That's all. Hey, he wins games. Okay. He wins games. But he didn't step up when you needed him to step up. Yeah, Paul. There's another quarterback list, and I'm not going to give you the name yet because I want to skew it. Okay. But if I said you could have one of the three following quarterbacks for the next season, regardless of Just what Just one season. Yes, this upcoming season, regardless of what your roster is. Okay. You have a competitive team. Okay. Tom Brady, Drew Brees, or Ryan Tannehill? You get to pick, Dan. I have a competitive team. Yeah, you, got a good, you have a good team. You got weapons. You got, you got a good line. You got a good, generally a good team. You're, you're a playoff contending team. No doubt. And you could pick one of those three. For one season, the cost is the same. See, you threw in Tannehill, and that's, that's the, that's the uh, curve here. Because this person had Ryan Tannehill ranked above Tom Brady and Drew Brees for the upcoming season. Is this the CBS poll? This is the Chris Sims poll. Chris Sims has Ryan Tannehill. He has over- him 11th in the league, quarterback rank. And, and, Sim, and Tannehill had a very good regular season. Regular season last year. Regular season. Well, wait, where were his numbers during the regular season? He, he, I think he was like 70%. His quarterback, his touchdown interception radio was fantastic. He did not throw for high-end numbers as far as like yards because they run the ball. Mm. But in the playoffs, he did not. His play. success is predicated on one thing. Derrick Henry. That's it. Derrick Henry. But he didn't factor that in. He said he's ranking the quarterback. Derrick Henry. If you don't have Derrick Henry on that team, Ryan Tannehill's not in the top 15 or 20. Play action, and I got Derrick Henry. Now I got your attention. I mean, Tom Brady's never had that running back. Yes, he. Why didn't Marcus Mariota get the uh, Derrick Henry bump? Um, maybe he did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe maybe that's as good as he's going to get. Well, Tannehill has was a good quarterback with the Dolphins. I mean, I thought he, he's a really good athlete. I thought he was he was good in Miami. But then it felt like he had peaked, and then he got to tennis. I mean, they didn't win because of his arm. Chris Sims can't argue that, that they won because of his arm. Just showing you the rankings. I know. I did. Look, everybody. Hey, okay, uh, oh, here's something for you. Over the last two seasons, this quarterback has had 51 touchdown passes and six interceptions. He's on the downhill. He's on the downslide. He's had a down year. That's uh, Aaron Rodgers. 51 and 6 for a guy who's on a team that's not throwing the ball as much as they once did. If I see those numbers, I kind of think maybe we should throw it just a little bit more. Yeah, McLovin. I pulled up Drew Brees' stats the last two years. I mean, it's just silly. He is as close to perfect at 40. I mean, he had a, like one of his highest ratings last year. I don't remember him being that awesome. Right? I don't like, either. He had 27 touchdowns, four picks. He threw for more yards than Tannehill in just 11 starts. 
74.3, led the league, 74% completion. Yeah. All to Michael Thomas. <laughs> just had, just threw the same guy over and over again. Yeah. You know, these lists are, they're skewed, they're flawed. Didn't somebody, I, is Tua not even ranked in the top 40 quarterbacks? I think that was another list that I saw. Sims has his quarterbacks and he says because of injury and the unknown, he has Tua ranked 40th. Okay. But uh, to give Chris Sims credit, he doesn't hot take it. If you if you talk to him off the air, he believes everything he's saying. He believed it about Lamar Jackson when he said he should be the first quarterback taken five years ago, three years ago, whatever it was. Yeah, and I applauded him for yeah, that. He's not a hot taker. He really believes that Tannehill, he has Tannehill 11th and Jimmy Garoppolo 20th. Okay. I, I don't know. Well, I don't, I don't see much difference. I'd, I'd probably take Tannehill because he has a little bit more experience there than I would Garoppolo. In his first season as a starter, Garoppolo threw 13 interceptions. Rodgers has thrown that many only once in his 12 years as a starter, and that was back in 2008, his first year as a starter. I want my quarterback to take care of the football. People just don't like Aaron Rodgers. That's it. Plain and simple. Because yeah. if I said, look at these numbers with this quarterback, you'd go, oh, wow, I want that quarterback. And then I say Aaron Rodgers. Nah, I don't, you know, he's not a team player. Oh, it's, you know, himself. Oh, it's all about him. I got an ego here. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, Paul. It seems like this is the natural cycle. The media has been just giddy over Aaron Rodgers for the past decade, even though the Packers have not gone deep into the playoffs. Or, I'm sorry, not made the Super Bowl since uh, early when he won it. And it almost feels like, now everyone's going the opposite, just the natural wave of we've said so much good about him, the most talented guy, the best arm, best combo, best most talent, and now it's like, okay, what's the new story? All right, let's just jump on him. And I agree with that because I hated when I heard, well, he's the most talented quarterback. Okay, is he the best quarterback? Because it was always the most talented. All right, I'm going to take the best quarterback. You can have the most talent. I remember playing games, basketball games, where somebody had far more talent than somebody, but the other guy was a better player. And Ryan Tannehill is a, a great athlete, but is he a great quarterback? You know, I, like it's weird how we look at these quarterbacks. Remember Kyler Murray couldn't play, he was too short? When's the last time you heard Kyler Murray can't play because he's too short? That went away. He didn't get any taller. Lamar Jackson. I would come in on Monday and say... I mean, this guy is unbelievable. Then you know what I'd hear? Oh, he can't pass. Oh, no, he can't read defense. He won't get away with that in the pros. That doesn't come up anymore. Patrick Mahomes. Oh, he's too much of a gunslinger. You know, loose with the ball. You know, maybe, maybe a backup. You don't hear anything about that. It's just we get caught in something, and then we believe in it after a while. You just reinforce it over and over and over. That guy is this, or that guy is that. Yeah, McLovin. You know who has a ton of talent and it's very high on some of these lists? Matthew Stafford. There's very few more talented quarterbacks than him. But there's something that doesn't happen there. I don't I can't explain why. Well, has there been a big moment for Matthew Stafford? No, he hasn't capitalized on that talent to its fullest degree. He throws the prettiest ball, has thousands of yards. It's it really just depends on what you want with your quarterback. Now, what style do you play? What kind of personality do you want? But yeah, you know, this Jimmy Garoppolo love, you'll get love if you win. But you can't tell me that your game plan is to give you the ball and have you pass the ball. It's about running the football. And the fact that Green Bay is subscribing 
to an offense that Green Bay couldn't stop. So let's say Green Bay runs the football now. What happens when you play San Francisco when they run it down your throat again? Doesn't matter who's quarterbacking. Because your style is going to be, you're going to face the same team as far as doing the same thing you are, and they're going to be better than you. And their defense is a whole lot better than yours. Certainly up front. Yeah, McClellan. Best way to help a defense, strong run game. Oh, I know. Bill Bar- or somebody <laughs> said that. I don't know. No, but you got to keep that ball out of their hands. You got to run. That's why teams are running now. You, you called this three years ago. You said everyone will stop spreading out and start running again. I did say that I thought that it would be somebody would be counterintuitive and they'd go, you know what? We're just going to run the ball. And you saw that with Tennessee last year. You know, they, they almost went to the Super Bowl. Baltimore too, right? Yep. They, they ran. They ran the ball. But you're going to see Lamar Jackson running less. And hopefully less on a beach, playing uh, beach football. <laughs> I mean, I know that he's too young to remember the running back, Robert Edwards, who blew out his knee at the Pro Bowl playing on the beach. Beach football game. It's one thing to run on the beach, and it's really rehabilitating if you've had surgery. But when you're darting back and forth and diving over a jet ski, <laughs> I don't recommend that. Play all-time quarterback. Just throw a few, <laughs> let the bros in their vineyard vines run around and yes. catch some passes, make a day for yes. at, at Sandals, make their day, and, and stay at all-time quarterback. When I, when I saw the video, I went, oh, no. No, this is not how it ends. Like, what, what, <laughs> what, what, what's going on? Hey, what happened to Lamar Jackson? Ah, jet ski. Oh, he was on it? No, no, no. He jumped over a jet ski. He uh, blew out his knee. He was wearing cargo shorts, too. Like, you just... There should be a waiver in there. There should be a clause. No, nothing on the beach playing football. I got to put him under a bubble so nothing happens here. And he finally admitted that they were looking ahead with the Titans. They looked past the Titans and it, and it cost him. And you could tell from the outset, Tennessee was there to play. Baltimore was there to go through the motions because we're going to beat Tennessee. All right, we'll take a break. Dale Jr., now a Hall of Famer, is going to join us coming up. Always appreciate him joining us. And I will get to more phone calls coming up in the, whoa, I just saw Jr. there pop up on his screen. Don't scare me like that, Jr. We'll come back. We'll talk to uh, Dale Jr. It's uh, 20 after the hour. This is the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. We'll get to your phone calls coming up. I just got this stat. Matthew Stafford, 18th all-time in career passing yards. He's the only quarterback in the top 20 who has never won a postseason game. These quarterback rankings drive me crazy. Uh, Dale Jr., NASCAR on NBC analyst, semi-retired NASCAR driver. He was elected uh, to the NASCAR Hall of Fame yesterday, part of the class of 2021. And he just finished fifth in the uh, Hooters 250 at Homestead this past weekend. Junior joining us. Congratulations. Are you semi-retired? Like, what, what is your driving status here, Dale? I think it's retired, but because uh, when I race uh, once a year, it's in the Xfinity Series, which is kind of like our minor leagues. I get to go down in that series. It's a much shorter race than the uh, cup race on Sunday. It's about half the distance. 
and I get to race against the guys that may be racing for cup championships in five to 10, 15 years. So um, I enjoy it. I get a little chance to remind myself a lot about what being in the race car is like. So if I'm in the broadcast booth, um, over the, over the period of being in a broadcast booth for a year, two years, three years, you, you, you forget, you forget what that heat and that stress is all about, what goes through a driver's mind. And so it really keeps all that refreshed on my memory so that when I'm in the booth, I can talk a little more, a little bit more about what the drivers are going through with confidence. Um, so I'm going to try to do that one race a year as long as, uh, as long as I can, I guess. But, uh, you know, for that very reason alone, because I feel like it makes me so much better in the booth, gives me a lot more confidence in the booth to be able to talk about what I think a driver's, uh, what I think is going through a driver's mind. What is uh, that helmet over your left shoulder on the desk? This is a 1974 Winston Racing Series championship helmet that was given to a guy named Jimmy Means. Me and when I was a little boy, I went to the racetrack, and I'm a, I'm a huge underdog fan. I love an underdog story. Jimmy was an independent that ran toward the back of the pack on barred equipment, and he was parked next to my father in the garage at North Wilkesboro Speedway, probably around 1985, 86. And, dad, and I said, you know, I think I'm going to pull for this guy, Dad. <laughs> and he goes, you want to meet him? And so he took me right over to meet Jimmy. Jimmy's working on his car and uh, had a few volunteers helping him at the racetrack. Me and Jimmy's son, Brad, are the same age. And from that moment on, me and Brad became great friends and would seek each other out at the races on the weekends to hang out. Brad gave me that helmet because that was awarded to his father back in 1974 for uh, racing. He was a very successful short track racer in Alabama, Nashville, and uh, before he moved on to the Cup Series. That's pretty cool. What's the best piece of me- – are you at home now or is that work- – Yeah, I'm at home. Okay, what's the coolest piece of memorabilia you got there? I, this is a great story and I'm, I'm surprised if I haven't told you this, but I was cleaning out an attic, um, on a building and, uh, I had been just throwing junk up there, old monitors and all kinds of things that were, uh, that I, I just don't throw stuff away, probably hoard too much stuff, keep too much crap. But, uh, so I'm looking through this attic and, and we're cleaning it out. We're, we got a, a flatbed pickup truck that we're throwing all this garbage and, and old stuff onto. And I found a black trash bag and I just chunked it into the back of this truck with a bunch of other stuff. Thank, thankfully, a friend of mine was, that was down in that truck bed looked in that bag and he goes, hey, there's a driver's uniform in this bag. And I was like, oh, man, I don't want to throw that away. I'm thinking it was probably one of mine. Oh, and he boy. pulls it out. And it's a yellow uniform with blue stripes on the sleeves. The Wrangler? Way before that. So I get this uniform and I start looking at it. And after about a month or two of looking at pictures and comparing the patches, the location of the patches and all the things, any kind of identification to the, to the uniform, this uniform is the 1979 uniform my dad used when he won his first cup race at Bristol, <laughs> Tennessee. I don't know how I got it. I don't know why it was in a black trash bag in that <laughs> attic. And I almost threw it away. Oh, boy. Almost, I mean, that, that load was going straight to the dump, never to be seen again. Um, so I think 
because of that experience, as traumatic as it was, I'm so glad that I have that. I also have a uniform of my grandfather, Ralph Earnhardt, that I just acquired recently. And I have those two together. And that's just, um, that's stuff you can't really put a price on. Um, it's one of a kind. And, uh, you know, it's close to my family. Do you have, did you uh, think about creating your own museum? We have, you know, it, um, at Junior Motorsports over at our shop, it's about 10 minutes from my house. We ran a four-car race team, and we've always talked about if we ever did downsize or if Junior Motorsports wasn't in, you know, racing every single weekend, that we could use that space. And we have, I think we have enough stuff that would be interesting of people to want to come through there. We get a lot of foot traffic into our our shop. We give tours throughout the week. Um, And so, you know, we still have pretty good foot traffic. I was wondering, you know, when I retired, if that would just kind of die down and uh, people might not be interested in coming to our place anymore, maybe going to more current current race teams and seeing what's going on with teams that are competing today. But the foot traffic's been pretty good. So, yeah, I mean, we've I've thought about that. And I have quite a quite a unique collection of stuff, old autographs and things like that that I've acquired over the years. He's a Dale Jr. going into the Hall of Fame. How does that sound? It hasn't sunk in yet. It's weird. That means uh, you're old, I think, Jr. Well, I uh, – <laughs> I think, you know, I was, in my opinion, I'm, I'm much too young to go into the Hall of Fame. And if you really looked at the sheet of, of nominees, um, th- man, I'm so much younger than a lot of those guys. And so I was really uh, totally comfortable with waiting for my turn uh, because a lot of those guys, man, they, everyone on that sheet belongs in there and they will get in there one day. Um, I think – it's automatic if you even get nominated that you're going into the hall at some point, um, even with the restrictions that they have. But I was just blown away to be selected above guys like Harry Gant, Neil Bonnet, and others that uh, that truly belong in that Hall of Fame. So I, as excited as I am uh, to be a part of it, I'm looking forward to uh, the future inductees as we go down the road. And standing on stage with those guys, I'm getting text messages from all my friends all the all the guys in the sport in the industry, even Hall of Famers themselves, Ray Everham, Mark Martin, uh, Roger Penske, and I told them, I said, I can't wait to stand on that stage next to you guys. That's just going to be an emotional experience. Um, but I'm I'm uh, I was uh, really proud to be selected. How's the family? Amy's great. She's uh, midway through her pregnancy with our second child. We're going to have a little girl in October. Um, I was 26, 27 months. Um, starting to ask why, uh, why this, why that, which is kind of cool. You know, all the things that um, people tell you that, you know, kind of might get a little old or get the terrible twos that they talk about and all that stuff. When she starts doing anything new, I get excited. Um, she's, she's getting hard headed. She's getting, we're, we're, we're sort of getting in, we're really transitioning into that phase where, we're starting to have to under, you know, kind of decide how we want to discipline her. And she's starting to get to the point where she, she needs to understand not to do this and that and the other instead of us telling you know, when we tell her, hey, don't do that, don't grab that, don't pick that up, she does it because she thinks it's funny or thinks it's a game. And we need to sort of figure out how to uh, – parenting's tough, man. We need to figure out how to help her understand, you know, what the rules are and, and when we mean business and you so need forth. A, you need a crew chief. She may take after I, her grandfather. 
Yeah, I have, you know, I don't know exactly the, 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 the right way to do it, but we're, we're learning on the fly to try to. You'll um, never figure it out, Junior. I, I know. I, I don't know why I'm taking this so seriously. <laughs> yeah, you, it, it's, it's survival to the next day, and I have three girls to go along yeah. with my son. There are going to be days when you're going to look at Amy and go, I, I don't, and you're going to be, you're already outnumbered. You're going to go, I don't, I have no idea what's going on here. Yeah, because the range of emotions that those girls are going to have, you're going to go, help me here. I have no idea what's going on. I know. And I'm all right. I'm all right. I, I've always, uh, you know, Amy, Amy came, Amy come into my life and gave me so much love and Isla has done the same thing. I'm anticipating our, our, our next delivery to, uh, to, to add even more love to our home. And, um, so I am in, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in heaven with all these girls around me. Uh, wanting to cuddle and hold on to me. Oh, all the absolutely. Yeah. I and and gir- girls never leave you too. That's, that's <laughs> the beauty. The girls. That's funny. <laughs> I was, you know, we were, I was uh, walking down the street uh, and I had Isla in a stroller and I'm pushing, I walk by this guy and he turns around and goes, she's going to break your heart in about 16 years. <laughs> and I thought, man, I hope that's not true. <laughs> she will. She will. Absolutely. Uh, hey, before I let you go, uh, Bubba Wallace's stance here with the Confederate flag. Um, man, I I mean, that's a gutsy move to do it yeah. and what he's been doing. Uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to him about this. He's been very, very busy, um, but I was very proud of him. And I, it's a long time coming, you know, and we've 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 had conversations about that in our sport over the last two decades. And uh, I'm so proud of not, you know, obviously Bubba, but our sport standing behind him, um, our leaders in our sport uh, standing behind him and making uh, for change. And, and, and you know, I, I know that's going to be a difficult uh, road for them and, and for us going forward. But uh, this was monumental. Bubba said it. NASCAR reacted. Uh, that was incredible. I couldn't, I didn't even know you could, you could do that. I didn't know you could ban a flag. So, um, you know, kudos to NASCAR for, for their efforts to uh, support Bubba and all the sport, you know, we just want everybody to feel comfortable when they come to the racetrack. And it sucks that, uh, there's anybody that feels like they can't come to the racetrack because they don't feel wanted, don't feel comfortable, can't enjoy the experience. And that's not, that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for everybody to be able to come and, and watch the races and, and have a great time, have a great family atmosphere. Uh, my best to Amy and uh, hope everything goes well with the delivery and uh, going into the Hall of Fame. And uh, it's good to talk to you. Hey, buddy. Always good to talk to you guys. Thank take you, care. Junior. Uh, yes, sir. That's uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. We'll take a break. We're back after this with your phone calls. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. I whipped up a couple of hanger steaks here during the show, not only putting on an award-winning show, but uh, also cooking up those uh, hanger steaks. Tastes pretty good, wouldn't you say, guys? Crazy. Yeah. Good stuff. Flannery Beef, one of our partners, sent it in. Yeah, Paul. They sell sausage. They have uh, beer sausage on their uh, website. Mm. I have to get some beer sausage. Man, that's good. Good stuff. 
All right. Uh, let me. Uh, oh, Sophie in uh, Los Angeles is uh, here to join us with her soccer segment. The Premier League starts back up again today. Hi, Soph. Hey, Dan. Um, I've been kept entertained by the folks in chat row, as you call them. But I, I think you need to reconsider calling them the board of Dan Rectors. These are. Uh, these folks here are pretty authoritative, and uh, they've kept me entertained. And, um, and there's a couple that know a fair bit about soccer, too. So a wee shout-out to Anthony and Seth, always engaging when I try to change the conversation for soccer. <laughs> okay. Um, it's been 100 days for the Premier League to return, um, and uh, not as long as Liverpool have been waiting to be crowned champions again, Dan. 30 years in the making, but it looks like their time is finally going to get here. Uh, we're doing three or four games a day. Today, there's two games, Manchester City versus Arsenal, Aston Villa versus Sheffield United. They want to wrap this up um, by the end of July because then the Champions League is going to kick in. It was just announced a couple of hours ago that the Champions League will return in a World Cup-style tournament from August 12th in Lisbon. Uh, you've got the round of 16 games yet to finish and then all the way through right to the final in Lisbon um, as well. So there's going to be a ton of soccer. You've got the Bundesliga, uh, Bayern Munich were just uh, crowned champions as well. Um, 8,687 COVID tests since uh, testing started in the UK. Only 16 positive results. Um, and if anyone does test positive, they'll go into isolation for seven days. So Paulie may finally see his Liverpool crown champions, Dan. Hope you guys are well and staying safe. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you for that update there. Yeah, I don't know how soccer's pulling this off. I know that there are a couple of weeks ahead of us uh, with this coronavirus, but you're getting all of these players together. I don't know if they're being quarantined. And you got international players who are traveling. I don't know how they're doing it. And then you look at what we're doing with uh, the NBA, WNBA, the safety precautions put in place here. And meanwhile, baseball keeps tripping over there. Uh, Steve in South Carolina joins us. Hi, Steve. What do you have for me? Hey, guys. How are you doing today? Good. Uh, you're kind of burying the lead after the Bill Burr interview. I think you may have jinxed the show by saying that this was the anniversary of the Costner interview. And I want to know if from here on going forward, June 17th will now be known as F Day. So I'll sit back and listen. <laughs> Look at Chaperone. Thank you, Steve. F-bomb day. It was a year ago when Costner dropped an F-bomb. And then was Bill Burr on that same day with Costner? in a previous hour is that is that possible todd would you check yeah i'm gonna look all right thank you but uh costner dropped an f-bomb on this day a year ago and then bill burr dropped one earlier today who are we going to have on next june 17th or whatever this day is yes yes Paul. we got a book like jerry west and kurt warner on that day to ensure <laughs> that there's not a swear word well yes we love it we did talk about chris sims and you know, oh, yeah, he dropped one, too. Right? Yeah, we talked about him today. Oh, yeah. And he dropped an F-bomb on the show. Todd, did you check? I'm still looking. Okay. All right, uh, this day in sports history. Well, they're almost all gone, Dan, so I'm down to uh, oh, 1995. Stop the, pouting. the New Jersey Devils set an NHL playoff record with nine road wins. Back to you. <laughs> <laughs> that was Marty Brodeur? Yeah, that's right. Marty Brodeur. Ken Danico, maybe, on that squad? Maybe. I don't know. He's mad because I brought up. They had a 30 for 30 on this day, the greatest day in sports history. World Cup opens in L.A., Bronco Chase, 
Rockets magic. Uh, but you left out that in 1971, Don Kessinger of the Cubs went six for six against St. Louis. Eat it. Yeah. June 17th. Wait, June 17th is considered the greatest sports day in history? Well, they had, remember, it was an early 30 for 30. It was the Bronco Chase Day. Yeah. And all sorts of other crazy stuff happened this day. Did they mention that in 1990, Harry Gant became the oldest driver to win a NASCAR race? Mm-hmm. Boom. That's how you do yeah. sports history. <laughs> well, Todd did his scoreboard, okay. which is all about sports history. I right, here you go. I'm, I'm trumping Pauly. Arnold Palmer played his final round of the U.S. Open today. The World Cup opened in L.A., the Rangers uh, celebrated uh, their first final or something. I don't know. There's all sorts of stuff. You left out uh, Joe Cronin of the Red Sox in 1943, hitting home runs in both ends of a doubleheader. Yes, Fritzy. I see Kevin Costner, Chris Mannix, Frank Isola, Bill Plasky, Jim Nance as the guests from oh, okay. June 17, 2019. Right. So Jim Nance did not drop an F-bomb. So June 17th will be celebrated as F-bomb day here. Although, how do you celebrate it? The problem, <laughs> that may seem obvious if we were going to have somebody on, hey, how are you going to celebrate F-bomb day here on the Dan Patrick Show? We'll have to alert our affiliates there. Uh, final results of the poll question, McLevin. Okay, does uh, being quarantined and hanging out with your buddies for three months sound awesome or awful? Uh, 52% say awesome still. Coming up tomorrow, Paul Feinbaum from the Mothership, the voice of the SEC, will join us. He's uh, calling for the firing of Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State. I'd like to see how this kind of plays out with the team itself. And he's, he's apologized a couple of times, but this isn't the first time that Gundy's been in the news for something that's not good. And Paul Feinbaum saying that uh, Oklahoma State should be moving on from Mike Gundy. I just want to know how those players are going to react to that coach. Is this the only real issue they have with their coach? That he wore this T-shirt of uh, a network that uh, I think called uh, Black Lives Matter a farce. And now that's where some of these players, if you speak up, now's your opportunity. And is there anything else attached to this with uh, Mike Gundy? But um, Paul Feinbaum saying you should be fired. Uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci will join us on the program, get an update on what the NBA is doing. And as we move forward with the NFL, what kind of safety precautions... And I keep saying that let's not talk about the second wave of the coronavirus, as, even though I have, but now I'm, I, I'm not going to talk about it until the end of the first wave happens. Then we can talk about the second wave if it's going to happen. Because baseball's talking about they don't want to play baseball in November. They're worried about the uh, second wave hitting. Let's get through the first wave here before we talk about the uh, second wave. So Dr. Anthony Fauci will join us on the program. Frank in Hawaii joins us. Hi, Frank. Actually, Danny, it's Dave in Hawaii. Oh. The sun come up, and I, I didn't know if we could celebrate your F-bomb that you dropped. If you remember, it was the, the, the class, the, the lady from the elementary school that used to send in songs, and right after the song you said, and those little blankers, and it was, on, it was still on live. Did I get it wrong, or do we all remember that? Um, that how many years ago was that, Paul? Probably about two and a half, three years ago. That was on a look-in, not on the actual terrestrial radio show. Yes, but it was on a look-in on NBCSN. Would be my guess. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, thank you, Dave slash Frank in Hawaii. Yeah, that was one of the, you know when people say, "Oh, you know the cameras are rolling during the commercial breaks," and I always tell people it's three hours where the cameras are rolling, and you 
as much, everybody wanted to do this. When they saw that we were doing this, where we were showing you behind the scenes of our radio show, but go to a bar with your friends for three hours and not swear. Because, you know, we've created this environment where it's, it's natural, it's comfortable, and we just talk. And then sometimes you don't realize what you've said. And that's certainly, we've been caught a few times that way. No excuse for me dropping an F-bomb because I am a Broadcasting Hall of Famer. Yes, McLovin. Just to be clear, we're all trying to make each other laugh. We're not like yes. cursing at each other. No, 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 no. But you can still say something and, and it can be in a whimsical way or, you know, you can be having fun when you say it. But, you know, you let your guard down. And I have 13 cameras in here and we have our microphones on when we're uh, during commercial breaks on radio. And occasionally you uh, you get caught. And uh, we've, I think we've all gotten caught at some point doing something or saying something there. So the White Bronco Chase, the Rangers Stanley Cup Parade, Rockets Knicks uh, Finals, that was game five. Well, that was during the uh, White Bronco Chase. And uh, I covered the Rangers with the Stanley Cup uh, that night when they, uh, when they won the Cup. That was the infamous, and I forget the bar we went to on the Upper East Side, and it was Mark Messier. And I uh, remember drinking from the cup and I, I made the mistake of asking what was in the cup. And then he said, if you have to ask, you don't get a drink. And he almost took away that privilege. Yes. Uh, I wouldn't say it made it anticlimactic, but if you remember, the, it stopped with 1.6 seconds left. They had to do a face-off. Instead of just the yeah. final seconds ticking till the end, they had to pause and wait a second <laughs> and a half to celebrate. That's where you want to have that great call if you're the play-by-play guy. And then all of a sudden, it's uh, it's like when McGuire broke the record, Roger Maris's home run record, that ball got out so quickly, it went like 330 feet down the line, bullet, and McGuire, and there's a drive. You didn't even have time to say, and there's a drive. It is high. It is far. It is Mark McGuire's the all-time home run single season. You didn't even get that. It's really, really quick. Uh, Todd, what did you learn on today's award-winning program? Uh, the NBA says no pets, no doubles, ping pong, and all decks of cards must be discarded after a single use. McLovin. Bill Burr, very funny. Yes, he is. He's always a treat to have on. Uh, Seton O'Connor. Stand-up comic Bill Burr said the creepy people work in radio. <laughs> Hello. That's a statement. Yeah. Yeah. I think he needs to take some inventory there, fellow yeah. comedians. There. Yeah, Bill. Huh. Take that, huh. Paulie. Dale Earnhardt Jr. almost threw out his dad's fire suit from his first cup race in 79. What we learned brought to you by the great folks at Raycon, their wireless earbuds, the way to go. Get 15% off your Raycon order. Buyraycon.com slash Patrick. That's buyraycon.com slash Patrick. Paul Feinbaum and Dr. Anthony Fauci on the program tomorrow. Talk to you then.